Welcome everyone to episode 7-3 of Retro Encounter. I'm your host Josh Curry. With me is Caitlin Argeros. Hi guys, Link is everyone on the boards. Mike Salosi. Hello everybody, I'm Monsoon on the boards. And Brett Woolley. x on the boards, and I love you. And we're here to talk about the ending of Deus Ex Human Revolution. We finally made Deus it to Ex the end. Chill. See, I didn't feel like it, like sometimes that last little like sprint to the end kind of feels like it's pulling teeth. So you start feeling that pressure like, oh, the month's almost over, I have to wrap this up. I didn't really feel it with Deus Ex. I honestly had more fun with the last third of the game than the other two parts, especially since we picked a really long segment for the middle chapter. Yeah, that 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 was that was I, my fault. I, I, yeah, I I well, <laughs> well, it's not really your fault so much as me wishing that they had all been as dense and good and short as the last third. <laughs> I think a lot of us were hoping for more story parts, or at least I I was upset that I felt like I was doing stuff that just didn't matter, and that last chunk is just content that matters, basically. Yeah, you, I agree. Like, um. I think I made it clear in the last episode, I really like the open city areas more than the, you know, like, infiltrate the facility areas, but um, the Missing Link DLC and the last section of the game were basically facility areas that had more dialogue and story stuff like the open world areas, and my decisions seemed to matter more, and uh, the plot stuff was cooler. So, yeah, I wish the whole game was as good as that, uh, as those last two chunks that we played for this episode. It, it was really, really good. So, we, I know it's going in because we talked beforehand, but do you think the ending was more fun because it, you dropped down too easy? Right, um, uh, for clarity's sake, I, uh, around the time... In uh, after dying a few times in the Montreal boss battle, I changed to easy and played the rest of the game on easy, or it's called the tell me a story difficulty. And I, I don't know, maybe uh, for some sequences, I think uh, the lower difficulty helped, but uh, nothing. I think that those first two boss battles were the most challenging parts of the game, period, because the uh, I the final boss battle seemed really straightforward. I I think I just blew up the core with a few mines, and I, I like threw four, but then it, it died after the first two explosions. And it was it was I mean really it was those boss battles that made me go down in difficulty, and the last two didn't seem as hard as Fedorova. Yeah, well, how they set it up. the last one is probably the easiest, which is kind of backwards. If you think about it, I think most people probably struggled the most, like you said, with especially Barrett and Fedorova can be challenging too, and then it's got easier. That was that was also my experience when I played the game the first time. I had the most trouble with the first boss fights, and then I kind of breezed through the later ones, and I don't know. So, speak, since we're talking about uh, boss battles, I missed this, thankfully, but it, I saw that you, if you go back to the limb clinic and get a biochip in your head, the, the Namir boss battle's harder because you can't use any of your augments. Yes. So who did that? Who got the biochip? Did anyone get the Me. biochip? I got the chip. Like a sucker. I. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did, skipped I didn't it. Have an, I didn't have enough money to get the any praxis at the limb clinic when I was uh, uh, during that latter part of the game, so I never visited it. 
but it was a because uh, that's the only time I ever go to Loom Clinics is, is for those praxis that they sell. But yeah, apparently it it would have bitten me in the ass if I had gotten the chip. So I'm a little glad for that. You you got lucky with it. Yeah, I got lucky because I was poor. <laughs> yeah, I I hesitate to. Well, actually, no. It would have been interesting to hear the uh, the cursing that would have come from your, from your direction if you had gotten it and then had to fight Namir without any augments. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think. I thought Namir was uh, was easier than Fedorova, but I if I didn't have any augments, that would have changed things a lot. You so, wouldn't have finished the game for the podcast. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I was uh, I did it. I was down to the wire. I finished. Uh, I got my ending. Like two hours ago or so, and uh, nice. did basically from the missing link. I did from the missing link onward uh, early this morning. We're recording on a weekend today, so I didn't have to go to work. That's respectable. There you go. Yeah, yeah. it's better than my uh, history with the last story. That's for sure. Where I died at the final boss <laughs> four times, and then just decided, to, and then just gave up. The last story, I think, yeah. was hard on a lot of us. I, every time we were uh, recording for that, I, I think I spent the last, like, seven hours for each podcast trying to catch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like... I, I underestimated that game. But yeah. I, um, this one, I managed to do it comfortably. Yeah, I, I, and so, just for clarity's sake, um, I just knew I was going to be really busy, so I dropped down to easy as well, which made breezing through it as super aggressive ridiculously easy. I was definitely just there for a story. Um, I felt like I pointed and aimed at one person and the other four people would die at the same time. But yeah, so it, I didn't have any issues. I'm almost kind of sad I missed Ymir being... Or Namir. Sorry. Um, being a little... Ymir, the giant, the frost giant from Norse mythology? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that one? Yeah, right. if, if you take the biochip, that's what he becomes, is a frost giant. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so you, you really missed out. Um, I, I would that's, that, that's an interesting term that I would not have expected. So I, I, I like the, I like that they have that type of thing. First of all, it's a choice to make it more difficult. Also, if you have that much money to be able to go in, hypothetically the game's going to go in really well for you. And it's just kind of scaling the game more to making it like kind of a little bit more difficult because you're probably doing all right. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, the, the like we, we talked about, the last two boss battles were more in line of being easy. They, were, they seemed more achievable. And with how unbalanced most of the boss fights were, it was nice to have regular bosses instead of annoying bosses. So I'm kind well, of on both sides of the fence of enjoying it being easier. Yes. I, I don't know. I mean, it may have been different for you since I'm. I think I'm the only one of us that's playing on the original version of the game and not the director's cut. So, uh, it. I think that those first two bosses have inflated difficulty because I was playing the older, worse version of the game. And Absolutely. The, uh, I, I don't know the exact changes that they made to Director's Cut version, but I think they would have... They probably would have uh, given you more options, at least, for the last two, I, I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, Caitlin, you've played both versions? Uh, so... What changes are, are there for the Namira and the uh, final boss battle? Well, so Namir, like Barrett and Fedorova, there's a much larger space to run around in. Um, what I remember from Namir is that you basically just had that that middle room. I don't remember if there were side rooms um, in the original. And so you would have like the, uh, the displays and the glass to sort of separate the space, but it was a pretty enclosed fight, which would have made it, it uh, much probably more challenging. Um, than the director's cut if I, you had the biochip because you don't have as much room to run around and evade him. I honestly, 
I'm not sure I remember how Hyron was any different. Uh, the room looked about the same as it did in the original, and um, I honestly do not remember if if they added anything to do it other ways. I hacked computers and then shot at the pods, and I think that's what I did in the original, but it's been a while, so... I don't remember. Yeah, for I, sure. I, ha I um hacked one computer and then threw a bunch of mines at the pod, and then when they exploded, it was game over. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was the only time in the entire game where a major encounter I didn't die the first time in a major encounter. <laughs> so an achievement. Uh, Namir's. Yeah. Um. Namir's stealth uh, messed me up once, but then the second time, uh, I think I think I meleeed him by accident. I stunned him with. Uh, one of the grenades, and then sort of just got a little too close to him, and then killed him in one cutscene. <laughs> it was like a 15-second fight. Not exactly sure how that happened, but uh, yeah, Fedorova was a huge pain um, between her being silent and everywhere at once, and, and me accidentally holstering my gun instead of throwing a grenade at least once. <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, but it was yeah, it was. <laughs> It was manageable, and um, I really, really thought that the Missing Link DLC is, like, the best part of the game. It's almost like Shadow Broker in Mass Effect 2, that it makes the game so much better, I can't hardly imagine playing without it. Yeah, so let's, so, uh, let's talk about that, then. Yeah, that's what I want, exactly what I'd ask. Great edition, bad edition, just filler? Well, how did everybody kind of weigh in on that? Um, so, I, I guess it's... Go ahead, go ahead, Brad. Okay, so I didn't realize at first, of course, because this is my first experience with the game, I didn't realize that um, what happens between the port and then being in Singapore, I didn't realize that that was the Missing Link um, DLC. So I'm just playing the game thinking that it's, you know, like, okay, this is just all-inclusive. All I didn't realize that this was not actually in the uh, initial game. So it was interesting because you had a... A lot of elements to it because you uh, you have more of a more discussion about the origins of what has been happening because you you see where people are being tested on and um, you have more of the conversation of course about what happened with the with the scientists and uh, you're introduced to Janice and all these other characters there's just uh, so it ended up being like a, a very I thought it was great I thought it was a great addition to being more immersed in the story and uh yeah yeah i was i was like all right good it definitely would have been something that if i did not have it in the copy i would have had i would have been interested in in acquiring it and playing through it with that with that in mind yeah so you know how dlc is always hard i feel like uh most of the time when you hear like, oh, we're going to have like a season pass or whatnot, and you, you listen to the audience, they get really, really pissed off because it's like you cut content from the game. Right. Normally I tell them to screw off. This is one of those times that it feels like this belonged in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. It, the only other time that I felt like it's been this egregious was, uh, it was like Assassin's Creed 1 or 2, where there was just like memory sections that were missing, and they're like, oh, we, we got these for DLC. This, this seemed... Maybe not crucial, but you don't have that chunk gone. Like, you could tell that there was just something missing. Um, and thankfully, I've never played it without it, but I think I would have been really upset if it wasn't there. Yeah, well, especially well, the way it was... Um, and I'm guessing, Mike, this is how you experienced it, because you had to play it separately. 
Yeah, I had to. It's a separate download, separate menu. I have to. Uh, I, I think I bought them together when I got them in that humble in that humble that humble bundle uh, a few years Hunda ago. Bunda. Yeah, <laughs> the, at the Hunda Bunda a few years ago. Oh, God. But yeah, they they have separate desktop desktop icons. I can't access Missing Link from the uh, Human Revolution menu. It's totally separate. Yeah, and that was, and in the original game, you played through it before Missing Link was released. He just goes into the stasis pod and then wakes up in Singapore, and it's uh, Pritchard said it's like you've been off the grid for days, and it's like, yeah, okay. And you think at the time, okay, he was just in transit for days, but no, then this actually shows this whole other adventure that he had, and it was awkward. I think the way they implemented it originally with you having to play it separately because it's okay maybe fine if you are just playing the dlc and you already finished the main game but if you're if you want to play the main game from start to finish you have to like stop playing deus ex or human revolution and then load up missing link play that and then jump back to human revolution so it's good i think that they they merge them and put them so it's seamless it still makes the um, losing all of your augmentations kind of weird because it had to be that way when they were played separately. Right. <laughs> um, and they, they, they try to explain it, you know, oh, the EMP resets everything to factory settings and you get some Praxis kits back. But just, just like how Samus loses all of her energy tanks and missiles and items between every Metroid game. It's yeah. like, oh, you don't have any of your stuff anymore, Jensen. I'm sorry. Yeah. If, if there was one thing I didn't like about it, it's that it was weird to go from having all of my mutations, all of my hacking and stealth, and being able to utilize those and not having access to those. I wasn't able to hack everything I wanted to because I didn't have enough points into um, hacking strength or fortification or whatnot. And I couldn't stealth as much because I was trying to spread things out to get the the absolute essentials and couldn't get everywhere I wanted to at first. So, I don't know. That's a necessary evil of the way the DLC was originally um, used. And I guess, you know, it, it, you, you would probably be too overpowered if you had everything at the beginning anyway. But right. it, just, it just, I don't know, it feels a little weird. Like, they kind of, you know, shenanigans explained why you have to start from, from square one again. Because you get hit, dirty. You get I, hit I by EMP grenades in the game, earlier in the game, and doesn't reset your augmentation, so... Yeah, I agree it's a poor explanation, but I sort of appreciated it, because I felt like I built Jensen poorly... The first time I played the game, I put too many, I put too many points into inventory and hacking, and probably didn't even need the uh, the social enhancer or, or oh, whatever, no. uh, whatever that thing is. So I so doing this having a sort of a fresh start, I uh, I did more of a balance between hacking, stealth, and shooting stuff. And it's like, all right, this is this is how I should have been playing from the beginning. This is awesome. <laughs> so uh, it it was refreshing that I had a, that I could do that, and also. I just thought it was a fun area to explore. I mean, I uh, I think it was off air probably. Uh, Caitlin, you told us uh, how it works, how it, how Missing Link is separate if you don't have the director's cut. So I was anticipating that. I just saved, I saved in Singapore and then like got out of the application and started up Missing Link. But I I thought it was it, the tanker is a little small, but there's so much to do in it, and uh, the and like the story segments are, are so good that I. I, I wish that the whole game was like just a larger version of Missing Link, almost. Yeah. 
Well, you can tell they learned some things when they were making Missing Link. And they, they even say that, if you listen to the commentary, uh, they, they mention how they learned a couple things from response to the, to the original game. And especially they mention it when you fight Burke at the end about how people responded to boss fights. Right. Maybe they shouldn't have contracted out their boss fights with the first version. Yeah. I, I still find that totally baffling, but it's, but it's true. It's something that happened. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I thought the environments uh, were really cool. When you get on the deck of the ship uh, for the first time and you're seeing the storm and the waves, I thought that was really neat. And then getting to the base and exploring the base and trying to figure out what's going on. And there's some creepy stuff going on in that base. It does tie into the end of the game and the High Run project and what the heck is going on with the scientists. So... They did a great job, and I have to say, I love Natanya. She was like my favorite thing about the DLC, and I wasn't not pleased by what happened to her at the end at all. Right. Yeah. I actually, I almost never kill people in this game unless I get, um, you know, discovered, and I have no choice but to shoot guns. After you find out what happens to her. You had those two guards who were talking about, and one of them is the one who did it, who shot her. I lethaled his ass. Sorry, his butt. <laughs> I, I lethaled him, and I killed everyone else in that prison complex when you're trying to shut off the gas because I was like, she was my girl, and you, you threw a tantrum. I was pissed. <laughs> I was really pissed because I liked her. She was on. She was like Farida levels of cool female character counterpart okay okay let's not say anything crazy like farid farid is the coolest no farid is farid is still the best i'm not i'm not saying all right okay okay i I was i was worried for a second makes you feel any better caitlin i killed all of them too (laughs) well status quo for you (laughs) so anyway like the uh part of that when you're saying it's creepy the when you leave the detention camp and you start making your way back into the interrogation cells and you have those cells that you can see when you walk over them but they're all glowing red so it's almost like you're you're walking into some type of hell that was that was pretty uh that was pretty awesome it was a very eerie feeling yeah they did a really good job a uh, good grief hearing all those people shout from their cells like I'm not a terrorist, and you can't do this to us. That was a really good touch, I think. Right. And, of course, you can go and talk to them. They all kind of give you, before you know more, of course, they kind of give you an idea of what you're what you're going to expect. And, of course, if you're reading the communications, um, especially when you see the division between the two teams, uh, Natani's team, and then, uh, uh, I don't know why his name is escaping me right now. Burke. But, but his Burke's ugh, wow. Burke's team, uh, basically like the, the soldiers and the special ops. And now they're all this tension because all of the people they keep bringing in, they never they never were brought out. They were wanting answers for it and they wouldn't give them to them. So it was really it was really cool to see all that. And then of course you see it come to a head right there at the end once uh, they initiate the protocol to to clean everything out. Yeah, so uh, that was an interesting choice um, when you had to decide who to save from the gas. And I'm curious what we all did in that situation. 
Well, uh, red ahead because whenever I came to that, whenever it came to that part, I was like, "Is this really it?" Because I didn't think you could save uh, Farida, and sure enough, you can redivert it, and, and no one dies. So I went with that one. I did too, because I was like, "Nope, I don't like this. There's got to be another way." So I cheated. I'm sorry, I did, but that was a better outcome. Josh and Mike, what about you guys? I honestly don't remember. They all died. I, I, I <laughs> uh, uh, do you mean with the uh, the bomb thing? I mean, sorry, the gas thing. Yeah. Right. Um, I protected the witness because I I just really wanted to get those bell tower jerk butts. I was, I mean, I've, I've just been, I was just frustrated from them, from everything in Hangsha onwards. So I, I, uh, I, I did read ahead after I had finished it to see if I had missed anything, and I did not realize that there was a way to save both groups. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, I killed the hundreds of test subjects and saved the uh, uh, Tiffany. What's it? What's her name? Uh, yeah. Kavanaugh. Tiffany Kavanaugh. Yeah. Kavanaugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember this now. Yeah. Like, the whole point you're there is to, to, why wouldn't you kill the hundreds of people? Because you feel I, bad about it? No. I felt I felt bad about it, but I I was angrier towards Bell Tower than I was uh sympathetic towards the uh towards the test subjects that were going to die or scientists whatever. Well, both of them, I guess. I don't know. I so this kind of comes up I'm not going to go too far into it, but this is also will explain some of my reason when we get to the ending of the game. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Um but there's not necessarily like a all good and all bad kind of playthrough I feel like in this game. And so I'm just kind of like I tried to get into my mind of where I would be if I was Jensen. And being a cop for so long like he it seems like very just like I get the job done. And so in that regard, I mean in the the perfect option which I did not know is you save everybody. But when given the choice between saving a couple people and kind of completing his mission, I felt like helping the person that can testify is more important. Right. And just on the greater subject of choice in this game, um, when they give you a choice to do things, I usually I, I'm it's I find I usually found it find it one of the more compelling parts of the game. But I his, his choices felt just so without consequence. Like, like in a game like Mass Effect or Dragon Age, or a Telltale adventure game, I know that dialogue and choices I make are going to affect other parts of the game. With with these, except for maybe that uh, that one cop that attacked me <laughs> in Detroit, I, I'm not sure one of my earlier choices... Oh, and also the Sanders negotiation at the beginning, but I don't think any of these big choices affect my uh, what happens later in the game at all. It just feels like a fire and forget kind of situation, instead of really weighty... Oh and no, they, they don't. Like, so and, yeah, it, it. So I, I was able to role play a little uh, less cautiously than I normally would in a in a different game that has more impact to their choices. So Mike, when you mm -hmm. press the button to save Tiffany, you wanted a small message to pop to the top of the screen saying, "These hundreds of people remember this decision." 
Or, okay, uh, maybe. Well, actually, right before they, they die. Yep. Yeah, they wouldn't remember at all because they're dead. But I, I wouldn't have mind, I don't know, just an email from Tiffany appearing in the last part of the game or someone mentioning that I had killed those hundreds of people later in the game. <laughs> but uh, none of that happened. It was a totally separate thing. And I, I, I don't necessarily need it well, with every RPG, but I like it when choices that I make seem to matter. Quinn questions you about it, doesn't he? Or Quinn, Quinn. Yeah. His his reactions will be different depending on yeah. the number of things that you do. Like it's not if you save right. everyone or if you're stealthy throughout the game or what or the DLC or whatnot. So I mean, there, like there, a, you kind of get some of that. Maybe, but it's it. I don't know. It, it. I didn't notice it as much as I think I would have in certain other games. So I. I normally try to pick the save everyone option, the very, you know, paragon, uh, uh, benevolent option in games like this, but this time I didn't. I was kind of a cold bastard sometimes. But I think that's a fair thing to say about this game. Not just the DLC, but the most of the game, because you do have lots of choices, and they'll affect little things, like they might affect a line of dialogue or how someone reacts to you. But they don't really do anything to change the flow of the story. You still hit all the same story beats regardless of what you do. It just might change the route you take to get there. And it might change a few small options. Like if you don't let Sanders go, then he doesn't show up later to right. give you stuff. And that's that's one of the more significant changes because it actually affects the appearance of a character. But most of them are just dialogue changes or like I said they might affect how you the route you take to get to an objective and I would agree that I I would kind of hope going forward in Mankind Divided or whatnot in future games that they might find a way to expand that and to have those choices be make more of a difference in the story and not just like you know feel like you know oh you picked option one here is your reward continue along the same story yeah, and there's um there aren't major, uh, there aren't really ma any game. It doesn't affect gameplay. It doesn't affect plot in a noticeable way, at least to me. You know, may maybe there is more uh, impact to the choices that you make than I noticed, but I it I didn't. It wasn't apparent to me, and it didn't. So I guess I uh, I don't. Know, I wasn't as enchanted with the choice in this game as I would be for uh, the examples I said earlier. No, you did. But, you didn't I mean, miss even, it. Even with yeah, even with all of that, I thought that um, how they they really clearly uh, set up basically do you want door A, B, C, or D for the last impactful, for the last, you know, for the very last dialogue in the game. But I know, um, all those people complaining about Mass Effect 3's ending yeah, no, did not play this game because they did it no, even it, worse. Yeah, it was really, it was, I mean, it, I also thought of Mass Effect 3 when this happened, but... I wasn't as mad about it because, or I mean, I wasn't. I was only a little mad about Mass Effect Three, and uh, not certainly not as angry as certain other people among the RPG fan staff. Uh, but with Mass Effect Three, you have all of these like it's a very personalized experience. Like things could be wildly different between my playthrough and someone else's playthrough, and then th that makes that uh, you know the red door, blue door, green door thing at the end feel really cheap. But for this. Um, because the choices all just sort of float out into space instead of really form a connected whole, mm -hmm. having sort of an interesting philosophical question 
at the end of the game and having me choose one of four answers to that question seemed not like a grand culmination like Mass Effect 3 it seemed like uh, just a another one of those interesting choices and I, I was cool with it and I actually I, I struggle even though I know it, whatever it's a video game I could look up the other three endings on YouTube if I really cared to I actually thought about it for probably longer than necessary especially since I had to log on to record this 90 minutes later <laughs> um, but yeah I, I, I thought even though um, the choices didn't seem weighty I thought that the ending sequence was cool in this game. So yeah. why don't we just talk about the ending? There's four choices. Um, right. First of all, you could follow Daryl's request, send out all the information. You could follow Taggart and say that it was poisoning. That's so you're gonna get stronger regulation. Yeah, uh, it was, Seraph, uh, it was faulty neuropazine, and uh, and that would steer public opinion towards stronger regulation of augments yeah right seraph wanted you to say that terrorists did it and then you had a file choice to blow it all up uh what was everybody's kind of decisions and then reasoning i guess uh okay I i've been doing a lot of talking someone else can go first <laughs> um well i actually saved before and watched every ending and Ooh. Because, yeah, you can do that, though, that you do that. Um, well, when I first played the game, the original version, uh, I picked the Seraph ending. And I still find myself leaning towards the Seraph ending. I don't like the Darrow ending because uh, the basically, you because know... Because F that guy. Well, yeah, but also it's just like... Dude, he... The uh, result I, of... I, I, all right. I, I don't want to spoil a movie that came out in 2015, but he's kind of like Samuel L. Jackson... In uh, in the in Kingsman, because he just ju just to just because of his own twisted views, he wants to uh, you know create a utopian hellscape just to prove a point. Screw that guy. That that was the only ending I didn't consider. Speaking of Kingsman, that's on HBO now. <laughs> oh, it is. As of today, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, it's a it's a. It's it's a cool movie. It's a, it's like a send up of Bond basically, but it's cool. It's worth watching. Yeah, I'm super excited. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm super violent, which but sounds wonderful. Getting back but, on topic. Like, <laughs> awesomely violent. Yeah. Uh. So no, I didn't. I didn't like Darrow's ending. I don't like the idea of going back. You know, th turning our backs on on science and augmentations. Um. I didn't like. It's one thing for me to for Taggart to say we need more regulations on augmentations, but I also knew the reason why he wants that is so that the Illuminati can control everybody, and that didn't sit well with me. I didn't think the destroy everybody ending was at all in Jensen's character um, up to that point. <laughs> Although maybe maybe in Josh's Jensen's character it would have been. Yeah, um, that's what I did. You did. <laughs> you did. Yep. I I got to the end. Of, I was like, you know what? Screw all of you. I'm gonna burn it to the ground and just walk away. Well, but you yeah. don't, but yeah, but essentially that's that was my plan. Okay, so Josh destroyed the installation, and also I've killed everybody I've seen. I might as well blow up one last thing. I pretty <laughs> much stuck with Seraph. Mike, what did you choose? Now, um, let me uh go back a little bit when i heard all four options i was immediately against uh what's his name the millionaire guy uh darrow darrow yeah, darrow. yeah i was i was immediately against darrow 
I had never really trusted uh, Seraph the entire game because I, I, I was convinced he was going to turn evil like through the whole time I was playing, which did not happen. But I still didn't trust him, and I it does not sit well with me that he used uh, uh, Jensen's DNA in experiments without his permission. And uh, I was really tempted to just blow it all up. Yeah. But, but I was um, – but also, I mean, Jensen's a survivor. He came back from death to try and make things right and find uh, and find Megan. And I think that he would want to survive and, you know, continue living in this world. And Taggart, who I had, you know, who the game wants you to dislike him for most of the game, and I did. But his end game seemed the most reasonable. And him offering me a position within the Illuminati sounded kind of all right. <laughs> so I ended up signing, uh, siding with Taggart. <laughs> you drank because, the Kool-Aid. Like, I, you wanted I that nice bonus. Because um, I'm definitely pro this technology, but just it, with me rationalizing this game world, uh, regulating it seems reasonable. It, even though I, you know, I, would, I would be first or second in line to get augments of my own if I could afford them. So, but I think a world of uh, of this technology being regulated somewhat is is a good option, even if it is within the Illuminati. And if Jensen really gets to joining the winning team, then why shouldn't he? I just I couldn't, twisted. I love it. I couldn't get over the fact that it's the Illuminati that created this in the first place. They're the ones who created the biochip that was meant to control everyone, and Darrow just co-opted it. So, uh, but okay. So Brett, what did you pick? I wanted to blow everything up. I felt like that was because I, I really wasn't too fond of <clears throat> after everything that that Adam has gone through, after everything he discovers, you know, about himself and why he was chosen for for what had happened to him and what happened to all those people, you know, the missing link uh, DLC. Just I felt like that would have been the best, but we have mankind divided. So it's like, okay, well, that's just not tangible. So I actually went with Darrow. What? Whoa. We went four for four? That's awesome. Everything to go out there. I I just, David being like, the terrorists did it. Adam, come on, man. It just, it really bothered me because of how shady Seraph has been. You know, throughout pretty much the entire game, and right? as we just discover, so it. It, it just I hate it because to me it's like with everything that you put Adam through, it's like I just don't see how like why would I trust him to to leave it up to, to that choice, Taggart? I, I never I was never in any position to to trust or worry about Taggart. I mean, I don't trust Darrow either, but given given how everything progressed revealing and letting out all that information about you know what was restricted i felt like that that would have been the best course of action um i felt like as far as how mankind divided looks like how it's being set up i figured either darrow or seraph's um endings would have been more or less the more applicable ones but i went with darrow not for darrow but for but for what ends, you know, how how you are able to to reveal all of the secrecy that you've been fighting through and, and almost dying over. So, and thank you, Reddit. 
Um, I just looked it up. The canon ending is destroying. Destruction. Wait, so, so Jensen's not the main character of Mankind Divided? He is, but he's supposed to die in that ending, so... So he so he somehow survives blowing up the uh, Pangea facility? I, I'm, I'm working on it, dude. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up. I pulled up... It <laughs> says... Read it, though. Devs mentioned in this podcast that the ending... Canon ending is uh, Pangea being destroyed. And now I'm opening Game Informer and I'm seeing if I can actually see like a clip of what they're saying. I hope that's not the case, though, though well, because that would mean that Seraph and Taggart are dead and wouldn't be able to have any impact on mankind. I would like to see Seraph again. Yeah, so unless I'm lis- going to listen to this whole podcast, I can't. I can't yeah. this. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that was kind of going to be my next question, though, is what did everybody, what does everybody think that we have our favorite endings, but what do we think the ending would have to be for a game to have the sequel title to have Mankind Divided? Well, um, I think the most logical ending for that is uh, the Seraph ending, the one that Caitlin favored. Because having the technology continue to grow would... To me, it would seem that like both camps would just get more entrenched and get stronger. Like The, the technology keeps growing and there's more and more augmented humans then the the human purists are angrier and more threatened and the uh, and the augmented people are you know are growing in number and that would set up a big conflict that would take center stage in mankind divided so that that's what i would have assumed if i uh, if i didn't hear about josh's reddit research good old reddit <laughs> but uh, i don't know could, could they i'm sure they could explain away uh, uh, Jensen surviving that explosion. Sorry. I think all four actually make sense for an ending to be going to the sequel. And that's where I, was, I really wanted to hear you guys' opinion because if you have the research banned, then there's going to be people that want augments that are going to do it anyways. And so there's like a black market for it. If you have stronger regulation, there's people that are going to try, like that's going to become almost like the police, there's going to be a police force like watching over it. There's people that are going to go behind their backs and try to do whatever they want and do like all the side stuff. You let it grow like with the terrorists, like with the Seraph ending, then you're going to have, like you're saying, it's it's known. And even with self-destruction, there's going to be this huge explosion, like everything's going to, like, people are going to start asking questions. And then you have almost it's worse because they don't have full information. So you're going to have, like, all these conspiracy thing, theory, uh, theories, you're still going to have the augments against the everybody. Like, it's just going to be still kind of a quagmire. See, yeah. I... I actually think the Seraph ending is the least likely to lead into Mankind Divided because oh, okay. you cover up what, what what was happening, you blame it on terrorists, and Eliza tells you the focus is going to be on bigots like, you know, terror, anti-augmentation terrorists, not yeah. on the question of whether or not augmentation should happen. And it's supposed to create this freedom for scientists to experiment with augmentations in human technology and human evolution. But the point, what we've been told about Mankind Divided is that there's becoming a real Mankind Divide. There's a real divide now between pro-augment and anti-augment. They describe augmented people as being rounded up and herded into, you know, like augmented ghettos and things like that. That seems much more likely to be the case if the truth got out in the Darrow ending, because suddenly people have a reason to fear augmentations and a reason to persecute them beyond just the moral question of should we be doing this and right. i can see i, I can see the destruction ending doing the same thing too but i don't know 
How many years after human revolution does Mankind Divided take place? Is it two, I think? I have no idea. I want to say I... it's two years, but I'm not sure. This is where well, this question kind of is hard for it. me, because it's one of those things I purposely avoided everything, because I knew we were going to work, we were going to do this podcast. And so, like, all the, as the information comes out, I was like, well, I'm just going to ignore this so I don't ruin anything. And now it's kind of like, oh, well, this I wish I would have paid attention. But <laughs> this is an interesting way to talk about this, because before Mankind Divided was announced or revealed or whatnot, we would probably just be focusing on, well, okay, what would Jensen do? What would we do? Or what's the right decision? Is the right decision? But now we're also a new layer is added. What do we think makes the most sense canon going into Mankind Divided? So it's another layer to consider what ending you like or would prefer. So I continued reading the Reddit thread, which is wonderfully awful. Um, you have to wade through a lot of crap to find. Yes, and so uh, kind of what they're saying is. What they're getting from the interview is uh, nothing the devs have said confirms that Adam chose the self-destruct ending only that Panchea did collapse. Uh, they seem not to want to say which choice Adam actually made. Next person says it collapses in every ending just in the self-destruct ending it's accelerated. Hmm. Which, I oh, didn't yeah. watch the other ending so is that true? Well, the, um, if you watch through the credits there's a post credit scene. And Bob right. Page is talking about how they're going through the wreckage of Panchea. So I guess, yeah, you could make the argument that no matter what you do, because of the damage done when he turned the signal on that and the destruction of the Hyron project, that yeah, maybe it... Sure maybe it little... So essentially the devs were being jerks and told us a canon ending that was canon ending for all four endings. Or they're... Ah. You, know, you know, I bet that uh, playing the early moments of Mankind Divided would help a little bit, because you should be able to see the world state and what Seraph and Taggart are up to, possibly also Darrow. But it, I guess it would make sense that the Illuminati would want to just clean up their mess and that uh, the the Hyron core would be destroyed in every ending. So we didn't hear, Brett, what, was your, would be. what was your opinion of which ending was the best? Like, which ending would probably lead into the next game? Well, that's that's why I went with uh, with Darrow because I felt like that would have been, uh, given the theme and given how like when you're you're looking through the the video, the trailers and the artwork and everything for uh, Mankind Divided, uh, you've got people who, if if with that information being revealed, maybe they've joined the cause against you know augmentation or furthering it. Uh, maybe you have people who see that. The advancements that can be made, yeah, I, I, see what I'm, I felt like that information, it, it, given in a real-world scenario, would definitely cause a division between different camps of thought. So yeah. that's why I thought it would be the, it would have been the most equivocal one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to mention, go, going back a few discussions ago, another reason I thought that uh, Jensen might side with Taggart and the Illuminati was because he murdered their three, like... Uh, augmented enforcers, and they might need a new one, <laughs> so he could so he could sign up and be their Illuminati operative. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Um, I think all four endings are probably plausible to create a uh, that conflict for mankind divided. But I mean, it's 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 a little bit annoying that they were that they uh, the developers would be so vague about it. 
because like, I think I mentioned in the last podcast, uh, for the third Infamous game, they used achievement data to determine what the canon ending of Infamous 2 would be. And I, I sort of wish they would take a stronger stand, uh, the developers of Deus Ex, that is, on uh, what they do for the new game. But whatever, can't have everything. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll also see... You know, we're we're operating on hearsay from interviews and whatnot. We'll we'll get a better picture when we actually have the game next August. Yeah, the game is yeah, the game's uh, eight or nine months away. Caitlin, are you saying you don't trust Reddit? Uh, as a reliable source of news, no. <laughs> wow. What we, should have done is, what we should have done is just checked RPG fan first. Yes. Well, yeah, I, that's what we should have done. I googled it, and that was the first thing that popped up. So. All right. How dare you? I know. How dare you, alleged newsman? I know. Well, that's I, I think more so my title now at this point is host. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that's the ending. I uh, we we already kind of jumped into kind of a discussion of mankind divided. Um, but having wrapped up everything with human <laughs> revolution, what changes do we absolutely want to have in the next game? Uh, I want the characters to animate a lot more naturally and to not go through the same cycle of the same animation and the same camera angle when you're having conversations. I I, uh, I think I probably noticed this and was kind of like, oh, okay, the first time I played, but it's really more apparent going through the game a second time how stiff everyone is in conversations and how it's just the same camera same set of camera angles, just on repeat. So, fix that. What about you, Brett? Uh, as far as the stealth element, you know, I, I did enjoy it because whenever the, there are certain times when you would be following along an enemy, and then they'd always suddenly continue walking at the same pace and direction, but might step a certain way and turn around to look behind them and look around. Uh, I did like that, but then there would be these times where they might be some dialogue that kind of help further either not the, not just the story but at least what's going on in that moment uh, you can kind of tell where it's where they're just going to kind of break out of that and then kind of go along a normal pattern I, I you know my thing is i'm always i like to be more positive whenever it comes to development because that's not something that I can understand. I don't have the the technical knowledge to know what intricacies are necessary for for enemies to be programmed a certain way. Uh, but a little more of either a natural or more of a random. I think that more of a random state for them to react in because I I wanted to kind of have that feeling that I did with Metal Gear Solid. But with Metal Gear, when you knock someone out. So I'd call over the radio and be like, hey, are you there? What's going on? You know, with Deus Ex, if somebody was standing there and all of a sudden they were gone, the guy's like, huh, I guess he went to the bathroom or went to go get a Pop-Tart. Okay. And just continuing moving around and, and looking in their same areas 50 times. So uh, I would like that. I'd like uh, for your playthrough to to not be the same. That, that would be something I would enjoy. And also... When you do your melee takedowns, I didn't realize it at first, but whenever I tried to do... I didn't do the enhancement for double takedowns. I was just like, I'll just stun one of you with my gun, and then I'll take down the other one. 
but like time freezes during that sequence. And like uh, I didn't realize that that Adam Jensen somehow got Zach Morris's augmentation mm-hmm. where he got to freeze time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that that was kind of a like, again, a minor gripe, but still kind of dumb. So given given that I appreciated the stealth playthrough more than more of a loud and and uh, a lethal one. I'd like to see that, which I think they're trying to say that they're they're giving more of a, they're trying to give more to each experience because apparently the the biggest way that people played was like stealth with camo, you know, with the I say active camo, but like with your with your cloak, saying like the the most uh, prime choice for people to to go through. So we'll, we'll see. I'm 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 I, I still want to have the experience in different ways i still want to have my playthrough where it's run and gun and invest in aiming and dermal armor um so I, we'll, we'll go from there what about you mike i'd like for uh jensen to change appearance either from customization options or as he gets more augments um having small appearance changes i because I, I like it when my you know my player character changes in appearance as he or she gets uh, stronger or better and but more than that I want just more dialogue options that affect other parts of the game and um, more conflicts that can be resolved with dialogue so just more dialogue options packed into each area because my favorite parts of the game were the story segments and I I didn't have enough of those yeah and I want Frida back yeah (laughs) Please, I, 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 this guy that they've shown in the, you know, the trailers and whatnot. This, this, this guy false Farida imposter. Yeah. Like I'm uh, sure he's cool, but I hate him uh, already. Yeah, yeah, I want Farida back. I, I <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna find a way to canon the endings, even the ones that shouldn't make any sense for this game, you can find a way to like say that, oh, you only thought she died, or even though you <laughs> see her body. I just, yeah, what Mike said. So it's, it's just going to be like an email that you can get, <laughs> whether she's <laughs> yeah. alive or not, and that is that is not enough. That's the Bioware route. Don't do that. Some, you know, I mean, the changes that I'm suggesting, I'm not sure if I want this game to be more like a Bioware RPG or less like one, because Bioware RPGs, even though I enjoy many of them, have plenty of issues. And yeah. to have Deus Ex echo those those issues is not a route I'd like to see happen because it's definitely its own thing. It's it's very different from Mass Effect, but uh, I don't know. I still want my Bioware dialogue, like my dialogue segments. I, I really like those. So I'm actually gonna go a different route with everybody than everybody. Um, I know this is unfair, but I want it to be more like Prey Two. At least the video that we saw of Prey 2. Um, which, does everybody, is everybody aware of that? Absolutely no. no. <laughs> Explain. Um, I'm not a Prey player. Uh, it's it's not Prey. It's, it's, it was basically came to be something completely different. Um, you were essentially like, almost like a bounty hunter. In a futuristic kind of world. Um, it's Bethesda, so it's kind of big open world. Um, but you'd be wandering the streets, and you, on your like kind of HUD, you'd see different objectives. And I guess I want to embrace uh, the main thing. I want first of all, you guys, everybody, go watch that video from the, the demo. That thing is ridiculously cool. 
And even though it's been like five years later, it still is one of the, like, if they were like, oh, Prey 2 tomorrow, I'd get massively excited. Um, it, uh, was it a game that got canceled or? Yeah, it got, uh, it got into like development hell and then all right. Bethesda eventually canceled it. Um, but uh, they also had kind of like that futuristic, like there was augments, but they also had aliens, which we don't have to have aliens. Um, but I want to have, the main thing for me is, I want to have that kind of interactive... I played as a shooter, so I want that. Um, but I want to have more of an open-world feel. We've complained that it felt sterile. Um, but I also want to f have it so I feel like I should engage with the world. A lot of this game I spent... I, I immediately went mission over. If I have money, I'd buy some Praxis stuff. If not, next uh, next mission. Next mission, next mission, next mission. Um and I'd want that to more tie into the rest of the world. Those missions, not necessarily going to a facility, but have missions that are involved in the world, have that reflected in the world. Um, I want to have those ancillary content where we really hate this group. I happen to see somebody walk by and I know like it's not that big of a deal. I can choose not to do it, but I can engage in the world. Um, and I, I think that's... It would have been much harder. I mean, this was their first go around. Like, it, it's harder to do that on this that first kind, on the like the 360 PS3 era. But I mean, 2015 was the year of open worlds, and I, I, I this would be a game I would want to be open world, a true open world. Yeah. I would say every year from 2005 onward was the year of the open world. But I don't know. I, I think this is the official open world year. Oh, this is a discussion for a different podcast. But I, <laughs> I think that everything went, everything went open world after GTA Three. But I mean, maybe I'm, I might just have, a maybe I'm just grouping the years too close together. But I think, I, I, I think, I think that approach could work for Deus Ex. But I, I really, I mean, my favorite part of the game was a relatively smaller area that just had a lot of things to do and multiple pathways to get through it. And I think an open world would dilute. Uh, certain play styles a little. But so, <clears throat> think of Oblivion, and then think of the Dark Brotherhood, like those that mission quest line. I immediately hate what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. In the, I. I. Okay, I, well. I did not like Oblivion. Fine. Think of Skyrim and the Dark Brotherhood <laughs> quest line. Um, I, I. I think you can have both. I think you can absolutely have the both the best of both worlds. I think you have an interactive world. That there's things to do that are interesting, that you could get lost in this world doing all these kind of like I mean, he's a police man at the end of the day. Like he can do these breaking up things. He can get involved in kind of little scraps and whatnot. There could be an overarching like, almost like a nemesis system, like Shadows of Mordor, or you could have like these gang fights, or like you could be shoot fighting over who runs certain sections of the world, and you could take kind of like play off of both sides. Then you can go to your main story missions or big missions for any of those types of uh, events, and you can have, you are going in this building, this is a con concentrated segment, here's 25 different routes to go through this, all this crazy stuff, and it's just inside this one building, and it's just this one mission. 25 routes through one mission in one building is very appealing. But when you say open world, all that really, especially if you compare it to Skyrim, all that communicates to me is everything is really far apart, and there's going to be a lot of stumbling from one uh, objective to the other and long driving segments. And they would probably add fast travel, which I would approve of. But uh, 
I, I don't I don't know. Like um an issue that I have with the with that Bethesda uh you know, that Bethesda system is that there's they don't make great use of empty space and just and part of the game is just long boring travel. Yeah, the pacing really in, suffers. Yeah, yeah, I really I dislike the pacing of almost of many open world games, let's just say. But the way that they did it for this game was you had very segmented areas, but they were either a, you know, a very directed mission that had a clear endpoint or were it, or was a interesting, somewhat dense urban area that was a lot more fun to explore than a, a Fallout 3 or a Skyrim environment. Um, and I mean, I... I, I don't know why I'm so anti-Oblivion. I just think it's a lot more boring than Morrowind or Skyrim, and I haven't played the older Elder Scrolls games. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it would lose something if it went more of an open-world direction. I just want almost like a similar-sized uh, like a similar sized game space, but with more things within them. I want I want more characters and more dialogue and more NPCs and more things to do. I wouldn't and, be while opposed keep, while keeping all the playstyles viable. Sorry to interrupt, Caitlin. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be opposed to having the city subs be larger, because I mean they're fine for the times, but they do feel Detroit especially feels cramped by today's standards. So I would not mind having larger city hubs like that. I'm not sure if I'd want it to be fully open world. For one thing, there's a question of how is that going to work with the story. We went all around the globe in this game. If Mankind Divided is similar, you can't have it be open world because it would not you could not create a world that's that big enough and is believable. And I, sorry, go ahead. And then like I'm the other thing I'm concerned about is is pacing. And there some open world RPGs like Witcher Three actually do a fairly good job with the story, keeping the story interesting and giving you plenty of to do and making it feel interesting. But then there are other open world, not a, I'm, I keep thinking of Metal Gear Solid, which is not an RPG, but that's a game in which I don't know that open world really did any favors. It was great for the little chunks that you did, but I don't feel like it gained anything by having all that immense space to run around with, other than, you know, like Mike said, making everything far apart and making travel kind of a chore. If that's what that would mean in Deus Ex, I don't want it. I don't want that. If they could do something more like Witcher 3 and have, like Mike said, have it be packed with stuff to do and interesting stuff to do, okay. But I still worry about how that would affect the pacing of the story and the story itself. Because you can't go running around the globe because you can't put you can't make an open world game that's the entire world. So Plus, I, actually, I think I think the idea of mounting Jensen on a horse for fast travel wouldn't really work unless <laughs> unless it was an augmented horse. horse. Augmented yeah. horse. Okay, all right. I've changed my mind. I welcome our open world overlords. Just give me an augmented horse. That Please. augmented horse has to have rockets on the side so it can fly. Now it's like Saints Row Four. Extendable legs so it gallops like some kind of super giraffe with rockets. <laughs> Dude. Right. Kickstart. Uh, By the way, another million dollar IP. This can be our next game after rescuing prostitutes. Game the RPG. <laughs> By the way, Square Enix, I just, uh, This is all free. Please, you know. Yes. You can. You can oh yeah. That's 
for these ideas. Don't even th- don't even throw my name in the credits. Just give me a game with an augmented horse with rockets. Horse DLC. Horse armor confirmed. Sweet. <laughs> horse um, augments confirmed. So, uh, it sounds like all of you were happy that we went to multiple different areas. Yeah. I like, don't... Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I, I like switching from Detroit to Hangsha. Yes, me too. Okay. I, I, it was one of the things I wanted to ask. Is I, 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 at some points, it kind of felt like, really, we're going to a new place? Um, but at the same time, it was nice seeing those different environments, so I wanted to see what everybody else thought. Oh, okay. Well, I kind of awesome. feel I felt like, like it was concentrated enough. I liked it. Yeah. And it helps with the story as you're learning more about these mysterious Illuminati who are everywhere. They're not just in Detroit. They're all over the all over the planet. So it makes sense that their operations would be global and you can't do it all just within one city. So, I yeah. It makes it seem like the conflict's much bigger than a normal game. Yeah. Which, which I, I respected that, but at the same time, it, it did feel like we were jumping around a little bit, so. Well, I mean, we were in a helicopter with the best pilot ever, but. Yeah! <laughs> um, True facts. So, what was everybody's kind of, it sounds like everybody's positive on the game. What's everybody's kind of final thoughts on Human Revolution? I had a great time. <laughs> Good job, Brett. So Close the show. <laughs> Play the outro. <laughs> Credits. No, I, I I did have I did have a good time, and I I like the fact that if I want to go back and play again, I have a different method to which I can play. Um, I've got more. The dialogue options I felt like at, at times were unnecessary. Like you, you had this this uh, kind of a moment where you know you could be more of a douche about the circumstances, more straightforward, which is great. Uh, but I felt like all that was just kind of thrown in there just to to help flavor the experience. But maybe like but like a sprinkling on top, not necessarily something that's baked in. So um, that that kind of aggravated me at times. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, you're giving me options so I can feel better about my role-playing uh, engagement, but just like some of you have said, as far as the weight of your decisions and dialogue and everything like that, it, it I didn't feel it. I didn't feel like it mattered. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, it's my party. I can douche Cry if I if wanna. you want to. All right. Yeah, that's basically that's basically all that equipment. You, know, you that would douche to. too if it happened to you. It's true. <laughs> you have to stop before we get a copyright strike. <laughs> um, it's okay to be like Vanilla Ice and be like, the beat was different. But but beyond that, though... Hey, look, um, look, Vanilla like... Ice was under pressure, okay? He, he was. He gets a pass. <laughs> that, that was good. I liked that. <laughs> so, um, but for the most part, I, I really liked it. I had a great... I did have a good time with it. Uh, I look forward to doing a different type of run with it and choosing different augmentations, even though the way I played, I've scavenged for credits and experience all the way through. Um, I never got anywhere close to running out of credits. So I was trying to was... race through the the end game when I played, so it was definitely a self-inflicted problem when I lacked credits in, uh, in Detroit. <laughs> but... Uh... 
Yeah, I could have given you plenty, and that would have been. It's all right. I could have <laughs> given you some, man. I wouldn't have right now. That, that's how bad it was. Like I said, I spent <laughs> sure. my, at the beginning of my game, I spent a lot of my time just foraging and and selling. So, um, but you know, I do look forward to a playthrough where I don't focus on that as much, and I focus more on the action and and um, doing Icarus a little sooner, because hey. Landing, landing like your Thor from Asgard is pretty sick. So I need right? more of that action. That yeah, was pretty but, uh, dope. Every time I did that, I was. That it was. was and I liked how different the characters were. You know, you had you had a whole cast. You had to have a cast of characters. Um, people who complain about, you know, development being people being co- cookie cutter and all this. I felt like there was enough division and conflict at times. And, and some, maybe, maybe not. Maybe some people were a little too shallow. Uh, but it still wasn't bad enough to detract from uh, how I was feeling about the, the story and the characters and the pacing of the game. It, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. Or at least it wasn't bad enough to me, you know, where it was like, okay, here we go with this again. Just kind of power through it. Uh, so no, I, I didn't really have that that sense of dread when you had those inclusions, but um, but beyond that, as far as like if I could, I don't want to say I could score it, but well yeah, I guess I can't say anything other than score it. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say four out of four out of five. Okay. What about you, Caitlin? Uh, well, it was interesting for me playing this game again because I, you know, played it before. But now it's my first time playing the director's cut. I really enjoyed having all the commentary. I know that there weren't a, the commentary and the they updated the boss fights. There's not a whole lot else that they did that they changed uh, for this version. But I really appreciated having the commentary. It was a lot of fun um, to hear behind the scenes discussions about this room and that conversation and this boss fight and stuff like that. Um, I don't think it's aged as well graphically as, as other games. Um, I don't remember kind of having quite as much of a reaction to the dated, the, the graphics when I first played it. And now it's kind of like, that looks uglier than I thought it did. Um, but I think the core for me, the, the the really interesting world and the story that they create is still as good as ever. I still got sucked into it again, playing through, even though I knew all the major story beats going into it. It was still a lot of fun. Um, and I just, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we get more of the same, but with better graphics and better working systems a little bit. Um, I want more Jensen. I asked for more Jensen, and I demand more Jensen. And please give Farida a quest. If she can't be a main character, a side quest that you don't get if she died, but please let me see my Farida, Malik. Just give her one more, uh, like, bad person NPC uh, with a life to ruin. And just set Farida on him. Yes, like Jensen. Remember that that jerk that we uh, we framed, we put away for my best friend's murder. He got out of jail. Well, I got another jerk. I got another jerk. And, and we're gonna we're gonna do it Shanghai life. style. We're gonna do it Shanghai style. We're going to Shanghai put him away. Justice. Yes. If there was just if there was a game that was just fifteen hours of rescuing prostitutes and ruining bad people's lives like that, then I would I would buy forty of them. Okay. That's <laughs> 
But I, I would I would like that game quite a bit. Deus Ex Prostitutes Divided. Wait, no. Wait, no, we don't want to divide them. Prostitutes United. United, I'm sorry, that's the DLC, yeah. my bad. Okay, alright. Alright. So now is it my turn? Or yes. You, you, yeah, you have to on. cap off? Alright. Um, this is not a kind of game I'm used to playing. I don't favor a ton of shooting games or stealth games, let alone stealth shooter RPGs. And, um... I thought this game. I thought Deus Ex was hella stylish and did hella. a lot of things. Did a lot of things really well, but um, maybe because I didn't approach it the best way initially, and because I'm just bad at shooters, it didn't resonate as strongly with me as it did with Brett or Caitlin. But it was really interesting. I definitely don't regret playing this. I'm not resentful of Deus Ex at all, and I if uh. If Mankind Divided um, gets good reviews and seems to be, you know, support a playstyle that I would be more into, I would give it a try. And I also heavily recommend, if a, a new player is interested in this game, to play the director's cut and not the busted original version with uneven boss fights and no baked-in DLC that I played. Yeah, I so I'm just gonna kind of go on the same route as everything. Um, I I also enjoyed the game. Um, I, I don't I don't think I'm as as excited as Brett and Caitlin. I, um, but it, it was nice, refreshing. We, we play a lot of we, we thus far. I think we've actually done a good job of trying different types of games, or at least like different background games uh, on retro. Um, this has definitely been the biggest version from the other games we've played, though. And so it was really refreshing to come to something that, like, I could play it entirely as a shooter. Um, and I, I fully respect it for that. Um, obviously, as we've talked about, there's kind of points that I feel like it missed the mark. But as a whole, I think, it, I think it's a really good game. You know, maybe if it was a little bit more like Trails in the Sky. Yeah, yeah, then... Then I... Yeah, then I'd be, I'd take that. Well, supposedly that second <laughs> chapter is really good, right? Yeah, um, I believe that uh, Derek's review should be up on the site by now or soon, if it if it isn't yet. You're an unreasonable shill. Who do you think is hosting this podcast? I thought I was hosting the podcast. What website is? I don't know. Josh.com. I do own that though, so please, oh, please really? go to Josh.com and really, wow, and, and do, do your donations now. You could probably sell that to, I don't know, some wealthy Josh out there. This wealthy Josh is doing all right. We're okay. okay. Um, Who's got two thumbs? This Josh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's nice. Uh, I I think my favorite thing about this game is all four of us have liked it. Um, I feel like a lot of our... <laughs> other... No, it, I feel like a lot of the podcasts we've done, at some point we get really, really negative, and there's usually... Which is nice for dialogue, but I, I think there's usually at least one person that just like strongly does not enjoy the game that we played. Um, <laughs> Very against it. And usually that's me, but uh, I, it was it was nice to have... Like, I think that's a testament to to like how, how well done revolution was and i think it shows a really good sign for the future and hopefully really good things for uh mankind divided hopefully it's worth extending six months for it we'll, we'll see hopefully we won't be divided over mankind divided <laughs> <laughs> 
And the podcast is over. Um, you'll never hear from Caitlin ever again. Um, oh, because I set the bar so high that it could never possibly be, be beaten? Why, thank you. Yeah, bar so high. Um, I almost quit the podcast before we started recording because she just dropped a couple savage puns on us. Name puns, too. So you guys can try to try to guess those. Um, yeah, so that is... Uh, that's going to be the end of our talk for uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution. Um, with December, we are going to be playing Parasite Eve, um, which I'm super excited for. I have not started. I saw Caitlin on there already playing, oh, yeah. um, but I, I'm probably going to jump on right after we're done with this recording. So I'm super excited. I've never played it. Love that game. Both of it's them. A re- it's a really cool game. I haven't played the second one, but the first one's awesome. And that's, I've always heard really good things, so... I, I think it might be my retro encounter game of the year. Ooh. Whoa, whoa, already? All right, all right. All right. Uh, that, that, I have a lot of excitement for it. Wait, wait, so you're, you're, you're pre-awarding it before you've even played it? I said I think it might be. This, oh, okay. is, this, is, this is the now the thing, is to award you know game of the year before the year's over. So. Well, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get the hype okay. up. Well, in, in fairness, I, I mean, Persona 5 was my game of the year for 2014, 2015, and 2016. Yeah, so, yeah. So you can't you can't really make fun of me. I, no, I I can't judge at all. I'm not absolutely not. Um, but yeah, that should be a really fun one. Uh, we are only doing two podcasts for that. Um, but we will have a third podcast. It's gonna be a bonus round episode, like uh, Mike and Mai's uh, Blizzard encounter. Um, but we're gonna talk about kind of 2015 wrap up review, best trends, best games, our personal favorites. Um, be a little bit different than our normal kind of podcast, but it should be a lot of fun. I think um, we have uh, six or seven people signed up for it. Oh, it's, it's gonna, gonna be it's gonna be absolute. a giant it's gonna be a giant cluster F. It's gonna, it's gonna be, be a, a train wreck. Yeah, it'll be fun. But it's gonna be F for fun. Yeah, it, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think it'll be really entertaining. Um, and I know a lot of people have been interested in kind of our opinions on games as a whole, like outside of what we're recovering. So we'll probably delve into possibly even non-RPG games. Um, but it it should be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, please send your emails to retro at RPGfan.com. Um, get on those boards, comment. Uh, you please, please go onto iTunes, um, post some sort of review that is positive and by positive, I mean five stars. <laughs> um, and then you can only always, that. Yeah. Well, uh, no, you can give it to, uh, you can complain about how terrible Caitlin's puns are. No, no, that's <laughs> no. Maybe if enough of you speak out, she will stop. <laughs> no, they're not going to speak out because everyone secretly loves them. <laughs> yeah, something. Um, yeah, that will do it for us at uh, Retro Encounter. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Good night and good luck.